I'm Scott Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the GAF Podcast. This podcast is for professionals who want to work in the advisory space. It's a series of conversations and essential frameworks to give better advice. It's the stuff they don't teach you at uni. It's where value sits. So buckle in, volume up, let's go. Hi everyone, Scott Fitzpatrick here. Welcome to another GAF Podcast. Stands for Great Advisory Frameworks or Greatest All-Time Failures. You thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? Yeah, sure. Very fortunate. I've got David King here from the CFO Centre. You're the CEO of the CFO Centre. That's a bit of a mouthful for me. Yeah, there's a lot of C words in there. There's a lot of Cs in there. <laughs> the C-suite. So, Dave, you're part of our best of breed team for us as wealth advisors. So I think it's really – I want you to wear three hats for me today. One is – the CFO Centre explaining you know, the role and the hole that it fills for our clients, but also I want you to put your business hat on for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also you're a client of the firm too, so it'd be good to get That's your right. experience as a client. But maybe let's start with a bit of your background and where have you ended up? Uh, I'm a Sydney boy, born and bred, and moved up to Newcastle 13 years ago for a lifestyle change. Uh, I'm a chartered accountant by profession and um, worked my way up through the commercial world in various finance roles to become a CFO over quite a number of years over quite a number of different industries. Uh, And then after my last full-time CFO role about eight years ago, I I took stock of life and what I wanted and and I thought I really want to start working with the smaller guys and make more of a difference uh, than to some sort of faceless shareholder in 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 corporate land. And Tim Ryan, a coach in Newcastle, suggested I reach out to the CFO Centre and it went from there. So I, I, um, I started as a regional director for the CFO Centre in that part of the world from a zero start. We didn't have a presence there and uh, I, I, I surprised myself as an accountant. I, I guess I told myself or I was told over the years, you don't grow the beans, you just count the beans. <laughs> But I could actually, yeah. But um, I found I could actually get out there and build relationships, which is what it's all about, and win clients. And then I started growing my team as CFOs up to what we've got in Newcastle now, which is a great team of uh, five CFOs and a, a lovely client book. And, uh, and then I became the CEO four years ago. Okay, so for those people out there listening, let's start at one hundred and one. Mm. What's the difference between a CFO and an accountant? It's not a joke, well, I, <laughs> That's right. Like yeah. I'm Where's the punchline? Yeah. yeah. Look, um, the biggest difference is the experience in the commercial world. So a CFO typically will cut their teeth like I did in the profession in their early days, get their qualifications, and then at some point move into the commercial world, work their way up into that in-house CFO role where you become that trusted right hand to the CEO and the board, uh, not just... Um, running finance but, or accounting, but probably running the whole of back office as well and being heavily involved in strategy as well as the financial management of the business. And so an accountant, as we know it, are those that have stayed in the profession um, largely um, around tax and tax compliance and asset structuring or, or legal structuring, which is fantastic. It's not what we do. Um, we know enough to be dangerous, as we say, that that's not our. That's on our lane. So um, every client of ours has an accountant as well as us because we're in there helping them run, you know, run the business more effectively, grow, make more profit, produce a healthier cash flow, reduce risk, 
help them with succession and exit planning when it comes to that. So we're actually on the ground week to week, month to month, as opposed to their accountant, who is sort of on the outside a little bit, to be, to be fair, importantly, dealing with their, with their tax and compliance. Yeah, I can see this overlap with the accountants um, and CFOs, and also business coaching probably overlaps in there somewhere as well. Yeah, it can be a little bit of a crowded... Yeah, crowded um, house. Crowded house, that's crowded right. Crowded sandpit. <laughs> um, so we just encourage everyone to sort of play to their strengths and not try and be all things to all people. We certainly are not trying to be all things to all people. Um, so if there's accountants that, and there are quite a few that like to play in that business advisory space, that's absolutely fine. But I guess it's where does a client of yours get to where they require more, like more of a heavier touch um, and they are outgrowing what you can provide. That's, that's the question they should be asking themselves. So if you put the client need first, you start thinking that way and going, you know what, I think you need a part-time CFO now because um, I might be still involved, but I can't give you what you need. Great. So let's talk about that's perfect entree for me into the CFO centre. What's yeah. the hole or the gap in the market that you feel? Well, it's exactly that between typical SME will have a bookkeeper or some sort of accountant or a finance team in their, in their organisation doing the day-to-day transactional stuff, the data entry, the debtors, the creditors, the payroll, the BAS, all that sort of stuff, their external accountant doing the tax. But who's actually sitting with the client and walking in their shoes on a you know, regular basis, being their sounding board, their devil's advocate, and taking the information that the finance system or the accountant is provided and, and making sense of it for the owner. Like, what, what do the numbers mean? What are the recommendations for improvement? So doing the analysis and taking it forward to the owner in a way that they can understand and do something about it. So what's a, what does a great client look like for you? So when do, sorry, let me rephrase that. Hmm. When should I engage you? Well, I'm obviously going to say sooner rather than later because yep. unfortunately we've got two style of client. One that is very entrepreneurial and very savvy, savvy enough to know they need the right advice early on before they grow too fast because we all know the fast-growing businesses, you know, all the moving parts, the cash can get sucked out of the business and all that sort of stuff. So they, they seek advice early. And then the other, and we love dealing with them, and then the other category of client are those that should have done that and they didn't and now they've fallen on hard times. And we're happy to turn, you know, we do turnaround work with them and we're very happy to do that. Um, so I would suggest you really, you don't want to be in that bucket if you can. Yeah. It's like, any, it's like <laughs> anything. You want to do it out of inspiration, not desperation. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well said. You, yeah. you want to be in that particular. So, I mean, we work with businesses typically ranging between, say, 2 and 50 million turnover a year. That's, a, that's just a crude rule of thumb. So we like to work with businesses that have a bit, at least a bit of runs on the board, like startups we can and have worked with. But, you know, obviously, you know, affordability and everything else makes it a bit difficult. Yep. So those that at least have some had some success and they've got more scope for us to make a real difference. And where you can add, add value. And as I said earlier, you're part of our best of breed team and we've been able to refer clients to you with, with great results. But it is interesting that that market perception that, uh, you know, I referred a client over to you and their question was, doesn't my accountant do that? Yes. Yeah, so there's yeah. still a bit of an identity crisis out there in the 
Yeah, I don't think the concept of um, CFO is well understood yet. So a lot of what we're doing is around education of, of the business community, just to know, let them know what that role is. Because before recent times, it's really just a corporate big end of town yeah. role. So for your average, you know, entrepreneur out in business land that's running a five, ten, twenty million dollar business, quite often they don't even know what the letters CFO stand for. So yes. we've got to start right, right at the back. Well, we actually start with the benefits and then we can talk about you know our experience and everything else but you've got to start with the why i guess and then go from there yeah which is you know around i think about robust decision making uh some guidance there's some coaching in there there's a bit of an eclectic skill set i think yeah that's right you mentioned about crossover with business coaches as well i mean our core our bread and butter is the strategic financial management we use the numbers and then take the discussions from there now if a business coach is more around personal coaching around the lead for the the leadership style of the owner or if it's more around how to grow your top line we can work with those coaches really well actually it's a really good fit but if a coach sort of wants to play across the whole business, then that's again, it's not swimming in your own lanes. And you know, unless they've actually got the sort of background that we've got, it's you know, I, I don't know how they can actually do that yeah. um, for the client. So I see one of the problems in your business model is that you do such a great job that you grow the business so well that now I need a full time CFO. Yep, and we we're talking about this offline. It, it, it has happened. We recruit very carefully, I'll say that up front with our CFOs, so we try and get them really clear for themselves, what do you want next out of your career? Because if we sense that, you know, this might be something to dabble at, but then they might take the next full-time role that comes along, that might not be the best thing for either party. Yeah, for either of you. Yeah. Um, we want them, their personal drivers aligned with us. But even with that, sometimes we have done such a great job and we've helped the business grow to the point where they need more of the CFO or they need a full-time CFO, there's been times where they've actually um, tapped the CFO on the shoulder and said, why don't you come and work for me directly? Yep. And we've had to sort of negotiate, you know, with, with the client and the CFO the best way, you know, to make that happen. So we obviously don't want that to happen all the time. <laughs> We'd be sort of going no. backwards, but, yeah, it does. And so the CFOs that you engage, they, they're typically, they're, are they they're working five days a week or you build a book for them over a period of time? Yeah, we'll, we'll help them build a book. So, we, you know, we teach them to fish rather than just feed them all the fish. Yes. So we'll actually teach them how to become a portfolio CFO, as we call ourselves. And with our help and our marketing and our brand and everything else as well, um, we'll help them get a portfolio of, of lovely clients. Uh, it could take a number of months to build. Um, these things you know, do yep. take a bit of time. And then we're in that sort of space where, you know, clients, for whatever reason, might might depart, uh, as I say, they might take a full-time CFO on and then we'll work with that CFO to replace that client. And so where, where does your work come from? Word of mouth is our most powerful and effective channel. So building um, wonderful business partnerships with the likes of Fitzpatrick's and um, with account, some accountants, with lawyers, insurance brokers, um, other types of advisors. So anyone in touch with businesses. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then we've got our we've got our central marketing channels, you know, around email campaigns and digital social media, those types of things that you'd expect as well. So clients can find us easily if, if they actually are on the front foot looking for a solution. I'm sure, like a lot of businesses, it's the challenge is getting the work, not doing the work. 
Definitely, yeah. I mean, we know it's a big deal for a business owner to let us in and let us look under the hood of yep. their business. Yep. When we, we, you know, we don't take that lightly. And, you know, some we've had the amount of meetings I've had over the years where I've thought, geez, that meeting with that business owner went really well. I reckon we're going to be working with them and for it not to go ahead. Yep. Um, there's something there holding off, some sort of fear that could be holding them back. And I get it because they don't know us until we actually get yeah. started. So improve your capability. Yeah. yeah. Now, how do you scope your services? We've got a, a process for conducting the initial meetings where we actually gain a lot of information from them. Uh, we love to start with what's going on between their two ears. What do they want their business to do for them? What do they want out of life? And what does the business need to look like to get there? And then we go down from there into right. the more detail. A lot of context to start with. Context. Yep before content, yep. and then we'll start the actual engagement with a what we call a discovery session, which could take as much as a whole day, and we just do a real deep dive across the whole business, and that'll set the priorities, the agreed priorities for a work plan to take it forward. Great, and then is an, a normal engagement one month, three months, two years, ten years, or is that such a broad statement? Well, like our engagements are all ongoing month to month. There's no lock-ins for the client, so the onus is always on us, but... Yep. We, we, we want to prove ourselves so we're in there for the long haul as long as we keep adding value to them the whole way. So we've got clients across Eastern Australia that we've had for six, seven, eight years and others that we've only worked for, you know, for 12 months or even less sometimes before something's happened and something's changed. But, yeah, we love those long-term relationships. I thought cool. so. I thought, you know, you call it under the bonnet, I think. I call it in the tent. Yeah. Once you're in yeah. the tent and you understand the owner's anxieties and fears and frustrations exactly. and you're helping them deliver a, an outcome, it's my you know, world, it's rare that they want to let go of you. Exactly. And it's amazingly satisfying for our CFOs um, to have clients where they've built that wonderful relationship and then they've got not just the CFO but they've got their regional director of the CFO centre in the background as they're like CRM and then they've got the wider team because we're a team of 50 CFOs around Australia and 700 globally. So, you know, we can tap into that amazing skill sets and knowledge base. So we don't expect every CFO to absolutely know, know it all, yep. but they can actually reach out within our family and that happens every week. One of the things that you, I wanted to put you on the spot, you might not know the answer, but how do you keep up to date with cyber? Yeah. IT, training, data, data security. Yeah, businesses. no, it's a massive one, isn't it? Um, the whole risk area, actually, not just cyber, but obviously cyber is very t topical at the moment. So, again, it's about reaching out to some of our trusted people in our network, so people that are actually experts in that field, and we know we know a few that can actually come in and do risk assessments for our clients. We know some good IT contacts, for instance, that are all across, you know, data protection and that type of stuff. So. Yep. Well, we know enough so to you, know when something yeah. doesn't look right. So you're going to be across the issue and then bring people in to deal with the issue. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you've got your own best of breed team around that That's as right. well. That's right, yeah. And what are, is there any issues or themes that you're currently seeing around the country with family business that's top of mind for them or relevant? Well, the one thing I'll say up front is that the take-up of um, family boards and advisory boards seems to be growing, but it's still, I think it's still got a fair way to go. Um, I, I'm definitely promoting that concept a lot out there in the marketplace because I'm a big believer in that best of breed team, as you call it, but for that for that particular client. 
And, you know, from my experience, the ones that have had them have just had wonderful results where they're just tapping into this amazing sort of collection of experience from others that actually have their best interests at heart, have their back, that they can talk openly about. And if that also means getting you know, slapped around the cheeks a bit sometimes, you know, then you know, so be it. A loving uppercut. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm always harping on about this, this big wealth transfers occurring and succession is becoming a word that's, you know, commonplace now, mm-hmm. but it's still, I'm yet to see it dealt with effectively for yes. many, many businesses and, and family groups. Mm. Yeah, we did a co-branded event in Sydney last week on how to build uh, or maximise business value for a successful exit yes. or succession play. Even if you're not planning to exit or pass your business down anytime soon, yep. you know, building real value in your business is just good you know, business sense and common sense because you enjoy the financial freedoms that come from that along the way and then you'll be more ready to actually execute those plans when the time comes. Yep. So it's about being, you know... It's an investment. So, yeah, we were just forewarning them that, you know, it starts now. Um, there's so much that you can do. And owner dependency was one of the big ones to come out of that discussion. So many people in the room where they go, that's me. Like, without me, the business just falls over. And that's a, that's a huge risk. Well, yeah, I was talking about this on a previous podcast, owner dependency and the inability of the owner to let go. To let go, that's right. Yeah, delegation is... Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's a massive one. So, um, And we're doing that all the time with our clients, just encouraging them. Some Sometimes there might be a willingness to delegate, but the systems and processes and the right team need to be in place for that to happen. Because if you try and delegate too early and that stuff's not sorted, then it's probably going to be, have to be taken back by the owner and then the owner is going to be doubly gun-shy to try it again down the track. So we try and get all that in place first and then, okay, let's just, you know, one step at a time um, start start to bring other people from around the business, you know, into more decision-making roles. Very good. Now, I, I did have one other question, which was what do you do in the situation where someone's got an accountant or a lawyer or a wealth guy and they're the wrong person for, the, for them? Yeah, it's not. How do you um, manage that one? Yeah, it's not easy. We the first thing we say to our clients is we're not going to come in, even though we've got a great network. We're not going to come in and start suggesting that you change relationships that you've got with other advisors willy nilly. We're not. We're not interested in that. So we'll we'll come in and work to get their accountant, their wealth guy, whoever it is, their coach on side and come at it together for the best benefit of that client but if we sense after all that work that we've done to get them on side and make sure everything's working properly if we've tried and tried and it's it's they're not up to task we'll have to be honest we'll have discussions with the client the client quite often is looking at us going you know what do you think what do you think we should be doing and we've got we're engaged with the client so we've got to put the client first and go okay well i've we've really tried and tried so maybe it's time to you know, we can introduce you to someone else or if you know someone and let's vet them and get really clear on what we need uh, and make sure we get the right relationship in place. Great. I love that. Screening for suitability. And mm. then having the honest conversation yeah. about it. Yeah, absolutely. The one that everyone wants to try and avoid. <laughs> yeah. Now, listen, you're a smart guy. Am I? Yeah, reasonably smart. <laughs> reasonably now, all right. <laughs> I'll go with that. You're a, you're a client of the firm. And I suppose for our people out there listening, I want to know why. 
Like, why don't you give your own advice? Why don't you look after yourself? Where's that land for you, this whole wealth management piece? Well, you know, I was saying before about we like to swim in our own lane. And we know what we're good at. Uh, it's no different for me personally. So I guess I'm practicing what I preach, and that is that the whole personal wealth side is not my forte. Um, I know enough to be dangerous, as I, as I said earlier. Um, but with mixed success over the years, trying to do things on my own, I've used a different financial planner before I went over to Fitzpatrick's, again, with sort of probably average results, to be honest. And it was those sorts of questions that I was asking myself, like, what aren't I doing or what aren't my wife and I doing or what could we be doing better? We've put so much hard work into earning that dollar from, you know, doing what we do, you know, not then having a plan to maximise that after the event, after you've paid your tax and everything. It just seems criminal. So it was probably just knowing knowing what I don't know and reaching out to get that advice, to get that comfort and to get that sort of um, that plan that we needed to then be held accountable to, just like we hold our clients accountable in a good way yeah. to, to yeah. their strategic plan. Yeah. It's having a plan of attack for us personally. So, yeah, not, I'm certainly not an expert in, in the field that you guys are and you've got the best of breeders as well. You've got an investment team. You can do a far, far better job than I ever possibly could. And you've got a lovely advisor. Should I give her a plug? Yeah, Selena plug. from Selena. Newcastle. Uh, Fantastic. Well supported by Glenn, but yeah, Selena is... Oh, no. Oh, okay. Sorry, yeah. Selena's, Selena's doing a great job. She's very, very good. But it's, it's interesting that just you know, my little 30 seconds is that we, we went from... Our, our industry has gone from investment only, which was stockbrokers, then it went to investment with some advice, and then it's gone to total balance sheet, and now it's gone to where we're heading is this concept of total balance sheet that's integrated into your life about what makes a great life for you, where are you trying to get to. So I think that's a really important part of the puzzle here. But let's go. Let's just go back. What are the headways for you guys? What are the headwinds? Sorry. Um, I remain positive about the future, but we're we're helping to grow this industry of outsourcing and outsourcing of CFOs in our case. And it's not a concept still that's had a huge take-up in Australia in the SME space. So that's a challenge, but it's also an opportunity there um, just to educate the business community about the benefits of an as-needed solution, especially at the C-suite sort of level, um, at this CFO level in our case, where you can just you can have someone a day a month, a day or two a week or anything in between and just be there for you and not have that fixed cost mm. and that big cost. But at the moment, it's still not widely understood. Yeah, I think that's a really big one, isn't it? It's a variable cost. Yeah. yeah if, yeah. I was gonna, if I was to employ a full-time CFO, what's it going to cost me? I know it's general again, but it's... Well, a true CFO is probably, depending on, like in the capital cities, they're probably starting at, you know, at least $300,000 a year, to be honest. Yeah. That's the sort of level yeah. that you're talking about yeah. the, and the... The experience and you know wisdom that they've got. So I get the benefits of that for my smaller growing business. Yeah. Without the full, full fixed cost. Well, that's right. I mean, our an average engagement for us might be forty or fifty thousand dollars a year for an for an average engagement, and yep. you know to have a CFO who's got your back, that you built this wonderful trusted relationship with, um, that's giving you this you know fantastic advice and telling you what you need to know, not just what you want to hear sometimes yep. 
um, unconscionable big brother. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, yeah. So, okay. And then just, I think, just um, continuing to work with those others in the space, like accountants, and just putting them at ease that, you know, we can actually come at this together. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, that there has been more difficult than we would have liked to this point, to be honest. Yeah. We've certainly got some great relationships with some accountants, but others, I think, have felt threatened. Threatened, yeah. Yeah, to be honest. Okay, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Now, we're going to wrap this up, but that's been brilliant. I hope everyone's listening to this has seen where the CFO Centre can fit in if you're a business owner mm. or if you're an advisor out there going, okay, I've got some clients here who are struggling and need further support because we're all about, you know, how do we give people capability and confidence in their decision making? So, yeah. And I think you're a really important part of that puzzle. I'm going to finish with two little two questions for you. One is, I want to know what your word is for the year. If you had to put your word on a rock, <laughs> one word on a rock that you could look through as a lens to help make decisions for you, business and more personally, what would that be? Now, I'll help you out. Mine, three years ago, was joy. Then it was curiosity. And mm. then this year's enrichment. So I've given you a little bit of time to think about it. You said you weren't going to throw any curlies in today. Yeah, you lied. I lied. <laughs> What's the I, word that comes up? Well, there's actually two words, which is cheating a bit, and it's a big focus of our business, and that is this year in particular, and that is client experience or CX, which yep. I know is getting a lot of um, press out there. Yep. But nonetheless, it really is about putting the client first in everything that we do, right from cradle to grave through the pre-sales process, through the sales process, the account management process as a client, and even after they've left yep. one day. Um, and just being right on brand, because our brand has always been very much focused around the client, and making sure our CFOs are completely on board with that right. so that we've got it, we, we deliver it consistently. So if you had a great client experience, what, what would that give you? What would be the word? Satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. And what about if you had one personally? I could steal one of yours. I'm actually personally going through a bit of a curious time, just yeah. about a, a few things. So yeah. curiosity, right. and I've been sort of seeking people like personal life coaches yep. to see if they might be a possible yeah. a solution for me So and so I can keep evolving. Mm. Right. Yeah. Love it. So what, what would be, last question for you, what would be the advice you would give the younger you? <laughs> How old are you now? 50. To uh, 53 on Sunday. And if you're 33, what would you say? I'd say have faith, you know. Um, it mightn't always go to plan. Things happen for a reason. Be a bit more patient and just be, cons- you know, just continue to be consistent. Um, things have a way of working out. I guess I say that because partway through my career as a CFO, I started to question what the hell I was doing. Yep. And then this amazing opportunity with the CFO Centre came along and it's been the best day of years. And it's like, oh, I had to do all that <laughs> to get to this point. It all what makes could... sense now. Yeah. So that's what I'd say to my younger self is hang in there, like it will work out. That is a brilliant way for us to finish. <laughs> that's been great. And just to reiterate, you know, you guys are part of our Best of Breed team and we really Absolutely. appreciate the relationship. David King, CFO Centre, thank you very much. Thanks very much, Scott. Thanks for listening to the GAF podcast. We're all about empowering advisors. We think making great advisors is great for the community. Just to be clear, this is not personal advice. If you need personal advice, seek a qualified professional. Thanks for listening.